Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for planting in us the seed of your word. By your Holy Spirit, help us to receive it with joy and to bring forth fruits in faith and hope and love. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. first lesson for this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. Here we read of Isaiah, the, not Isaiah, I'm sorry, Elijah the prophet, and we see how as God's called worker, uh, one, he provides for Elijah in a miraculous way, but two, we also see how God's people, he uses them as well to provide for his called worker Elijah in this account from 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except in my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, but the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with our Psalm of the Day, Psalm 66, which is printed in the front of your hymnals on page 90.
lesson for this morning, our sermon text as well for this morning, comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but I desire is that more be credited to your account. I received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, unacceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Hallelujah. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Gospel according to Luke chapter 4. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, we will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the, workers deserves his, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. 
now join together to confess our common faith according to the words of the Nicene Creed, printed for you on page 9. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with our hymn of the day in 517.
Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start by giving you guys a few numbers here. See if you guys know what these are. 1,270 and 454. Here's some more. 369,221 and 79,780. I'll give you one more yet. Two, uh, I'm sorry, 19 and 252. Do you guys have any idea what those numbers are? Oh, you guys don't go to the Wells website, do you? If you go to the Wells website, it's kind of cool. You get to see those numbers flip until they get to the right ones. You should check it out. Those are just some of the numbers of congregations and baptized members and even preaching stations that we have first in the U.S. and then across the world. And when you think about it, that's quite a bit that the Wells has across the world, considering how small we really are. As small as we are, we have our hands in a lot of things across the world which is just tremendous and amazing. Because for a synod like the Wells, they make it very clear what their mission is. The mission of the Wells is to carry out that great commission that the Lord has given us to go and make disciples, to share the gospel with the rest of the world, really in almost any way they can think of. They're always coming up with different things to try to get the gospel out. In fact, just this last week, I, how, how many of you kind of kept up with some of the convention news? Last week at Synod Convention, we have entered into fellowship now with two new church bodies, one in Taiwan and one from Kenya. And a lot of that is because of the work that the Wells has started there. By taking the gospel and by spending our resources so that they might be able to hear it, know it, and believe it by the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, when I heard especially about Kenya and Taiwan, I, I literally smiled from ear to ear. That really makes me happy, and I hope it makes you happy too. And I hope it brings a warm feeling to your heart too, to know that we have a fellowship that is worldwide because of the gospel that we have shared with them. It's tremendous news. And the gospel is something with tremendous power. And you and I have it. But other people need it. The Philippians made that a priority on their list as well. They were so anxious to help Paul take this gospel to where it needed to go. Paul wrote to them, and in chapter 4 of Philippians, he told them, I didn't even need it at the time, and you guys still got it to me. He said, you guys have been waiting to get help to me they couldn't get it to him at some point in time for some unclear reason, but he said, as soon as you guys had the opportunity, you send me aid. And Paul was just astounded at their love for the gospel and how they just wanted to make sure they could help Paul take it to the rest of the world. The Philippians made it a priority in everything that they did. And Paul was thankful for the help that they provided. But not just because he needed the aid. Paul was 
thankful because it meant more. You see, these gifts and the aid and the financial help that they gave Paul was, was more than just the meals that he had when he was under house arrest. He wrote to the Philippians while he was under house arrest in Rome. It meant a lot more to Paul because Paul wasn't just looking at what they gave. Paul was looking at why. You know, honestly, Paul didn't care if he got something from them. Paul makes it pretty clear that he learned to be content in any and every circumstance because of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was fine suffering this affliction for the gospel. Paul was fine if they had not been able to get the help and aid to him that they wanted to. He wasn't going to hold anything against them. But when Paul got it, he was just so excited. He couldn't hold it in. He had to write them, I've learned to be content, and yet, because you guys have sent this to me, I can't help but just rejoice at what you've done. The Philippians sent these things purely out of love for the gospel they had been given by Paul. They sent these out of thanks for having received that same gospel themselves, this gospel that Paul was now trying to take to the rest of the world at the time. They had no question in their mind that this was something that needed to be done. And so as soon as they had that opportunity, they were going to send an aid to Paul so that he could continue working, even when he was under house arrest, so that he could continue to share the gospel with those who came to him. And in doing so, Paul says that he could even feel more as one body with them. That, that single body that they were in Jesus Christ... He says he was pleased that they would share that affliction with him. They partook in some of that affliction when they shared that aid with him. This is a priority for the Philippians. Their love for the gospel moved them to do something Paul didn't even expect. Because the gospel to them was everything they ever wanted. The gospel is everything that everybody should have, and they wanted to make sure that the people of the world got it. And more importantly than that, Paul told them that it wasn't just him that they were pleasing, but he told them that what they gave was a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. It was just as pleasing as any of the Old Testament sacrifices that the Israelites gave the when they put up incense and they burned the burnt offerings and all that, that was to, to please God until Christ came. And this aroma of this gift, which was moved to be given by the gospel, it just made God so happy that they would do this for Him. Now Paul was on the front lines, but the Philippians knew that this work was important and they wanted to do their part, whatever it be, so that they could share the gospel. They couldn't be with Paul physically, save Epaphroditus. But they definitely supported him from behind the scenes. And they took it seriously. And you and I, you and I are not always on the same front lines that we think of when we think of missionaries. You know, we're not quite like the 72 that Jesus sent out, going from town to town and village to village, meeting new people, telling them of this gospel for the first time. Some of us are just here in town, in Fairmont or in Jackson or wherever you come from, meeting the same people maybe every day and every week, 
people who've probably heard the message before, maybe not. And yet the gospel is our priority as well. Whether you're on the front lines like Paul and some other missionaries across the world, or whether you're here at home, God gives us the opportunity to be a part of that mission that he's given us in our own way. I mean, just think of all the opportunities to help advance that mission that we have here just at home through the Synod alone. We give offerings to the Synod, which go to support missionaries across the world. We can give to such resources like Christian Life Resources. We can give to the Christian Family Solutions, like Pastor Maddox was here last week, who he represented. We can give to things such as different building funds. There's so many options to be able to help advance the gospel, even through those opportunities like that. Because even those people, they make sure that people hear the gospel when they come for help. We put on a VBS every year. We're going to go to the fair fairly soon, and we have a booth there so that we can tell people about what Jesus has done for them. Hopefully soon. I know for a while here we had a Jesus Cares uh, Bible study here. Hopefully we can start that again real soon. So many opportunities right here at home to support those far away and to support those around us that we might be able to share the gospel with the rest of the world. But understand, like Paul, God is not just looking for some sort of monetary support. You realize that God doesn't actually need your money for things, right? I mean, if God wanted something to happen, God would just make it happen. God doesn't need your money to take the gospel to the rest of the world. He really doesn't. To be completely honest, God doesn't even need us to take the gospel to the rest of the world. God could make that happen however he wanted, but he chooses to use us to make that happen. He gives us that opportunity to use our time and our talents and our gifts and our treasures to make those fragrant, pleasing offerings to God. Offerings that come from the heart, not just from the wallet. See, that's not what Paul is concerned about, and that's not what God is concerned about. What it really comes down to and what God really cares about is not how much you give, but what. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, even at a church here whose goal is to go gather the lost in Fairmont and beyond, how is your zeal for sharing the gospel? You know, Paul was under house arrest because he made sure that people heard it. The church in Philippi, they sent funds to Paul to make sure that people would hear the gospel. Paul journeyed all over the known world at the time that people could hear the gospel. And understand, there's a lot of the churches that helped Paul at the time were under financial strain, and yet they still made sure that Paul got money so that God's word would be taken to those who had never heard it. You see, that gospel is precious. That gospel is a treasure. That gospel is worth everything you could possibly imagine. Is it worth the time? Is it worth the money? Is it worth the extra effort to take to the rest of the world? Most certainly it is. But you have to ask yourself, are you willing to be active to take the gospel to where it needs to go so that as many people as possible can hear Sometimes it's hard to do. I, I understand that there are always going to be excuses for it. 
The devil's always going to come up in our minds with something that's going to tell us we can't do it. He's, he's going to tell us that the budget's already way too low or getting too close to the red and out of the black. He's going to tell us that we have too many things going on here. He's going to try to get us to maybe think that all that effort we put into something isn't worth it because only a few people came. But you know what Jesus calls the devil? What that means? He's the father of lies. All of that is a lie. I'm sure you've heard the parable of the lost sheep. Where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one lost one. If the shepherd finds that one lost sheep worth it, Jesus finds that one lost sinner worth it. And we should too. And we should go to every effort that we can to find those lost sheep. And to give them the message that is going to save them. We're worth, the gospel is worth every bit of effort that we have. And so I, you have to ask yourself once again, how is your zeal for sharing the gospel with others? You can't be afraid of going that extra mile in your activity for the gospel, even just here at home. Because no matter how you do it, no matter how you support it, no matter whether you think it was a failure or not, God sees it as that fragment offering. Where you see failure, God sees an attempt out of love for the gospel. Where you see too much time, God sees you giving him all of your talents so that you might be able to tell others about it. Everything that you do to support the gospel is that aroma to God. And it pleases him. It pleases the same God who sent his son to die for you. It pleases the God who has promised every glorious rich uh, wealth in Jesus Christ, just like Paul said to the Philippians. Yeah, the budget's not always going to get bigger. The seats are not going to be filled with more people all the time. And yet, Paul told the Philippians not to worry, and he tells us, because he says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Your work is not in vain for Jesus. It never is. Now, there are two ways to look at what Paul just told the Philippians and us. You can either see it as God is going to provide all the talents and the treasures that we need to be able to do the work he's called us to do. Or, no matter how hard we work here, eventually your work is going to be rewarded with glory, which comes from the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you. But when you get to heaven, he looks at you and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Either way, your work in the Lord is never going to be in vain. Not when it's for Jesus. God has made that promise through Paul. And that promise rests on the greatest proof and assurance that you're ever going to see given. As long as you can see Jesus on the cross, you know that anything else the Heavenly Father tells you is going to come true including that promise to give you every bit of glorious riches that comes through Jesus Christ. We bank on that, because our Savior is on the cross. And so our needs will be met here and in heaven. And so we take that promise, and without fear and without doubt, we take the gospel and throw it out to the world. So take the message. Take the message of the gospel and make it your work. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be lazy to go the extra mile for the one down the street who's 
leads the gospel just as much as the person in Kenya and Taiwan. Take that message, take that gospel, and make it your work. Prioritize spreading the gospel. Prioritize your life around it instead of prioritizing gospel around your life and your finances. Take that message of the gospel and pray for it. Always pray that God's work will be done and God's kingdom come. Whether we take care of it here at home, whether we support those who do it far away, pray for the success of God's word in this world. I read a cool little story about two days ago. It's really neat. I had to put it in here. Great illustration. There was this little little dog got hit by a car. It was lying on the side of the road, and his vet drove by, and he saw it. He stopped, and he picked it up, and he looked at it, and he decided to take it home. And he found that there were some cuts and abrasions and some other minor things wrong, but everything was going to be fine otherwise. He... he bandaged the dog up. He took care of it for a little bit. The dog was getting better. One day the vet was carrying that dog to the garage to show him his new home in the garage. He had everything all set up real nice. And the dog jumps out of his arms and he runs away. Now the vet was a little upset at first. He, <laughs> he, was, he kind of was thinking that that dog was going to stay. I mean, he had just totally done everything for him. But that same night that little dog came back that was sitting down to supper and he heard the scratching on the door and that little dog was back and you know what was with him there was another little hurt dog with him that little dog had learned that this vet fixes those kinds of dogs Maybe it's not the best story, but I mean, we were all certainly hurt little puppies, if you want to say it that way. We were all healed. We were all taken home, fixed up in Jesus Christ. And now you have the opportunity to be that dog, to go and tell other ones to come to Jesus who can fix them. Paul was fixed, and he told the Philippians. The Philippians, in turn, made sure that Paul could tell others, and I'm sure the Philippians made it a priority at home to tell those around them as well. So be that little dog. Take the word out. Bring people in. Because those numbers that are mentioned in the beginning of the sermon here, we want those to always increase. And by God's grace, through the work of the Synod, those numbers will increase. But regardless of what happens, because of the love that was shown us in Jesus Christ, we'll take the gospel everywhere and anywhere. We don't have it. We have the opportunity. The opportunity to be pleasing, fragrant offerings to our Father. Let's do it. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join together in our sermon response to Created Me, which is printed for you on page 10 of your worship folder.
seated as we collect our thank offering for this morning. Please stand as you continue with prayer. O Lord, light of the world and saving strength of your people, we thank you for the gift of your word, implanted in the hearts of your people, so that set free from the power of Satan and the fear of death, we may live to serve and honor you. Pour out your spirit on us that we may grow richly in divine knowledge and spiritual understanding. Bless the proclamation of your word everywhere so that hearts may be turned from the darkness of spiritual ignorance, falsehood, and despair to the light of knowledge, truth, and life. Be with our missionaries in our own and distant lands. Protect them, encourage them, and crown their labors with success. Let your word shine in our homes that parents and children may dwell together in love and serve one another in kindness and humility. Watch over the sick, the sorrowing, the anxious, and the weary. Preserve those who are in any danger of body or soul. Supply us by the grace of Jesus with the Spirit's power that we may ever be comforted by your truth and sustained by your love. Lord, this morning we come to you on behalf of all those having birthdays this week. We ask that you bless them. And we ask that you give them many more years to come, that they might enjoy the grace that you give them every single day. Lord Jesus, we also thank you for the grace by which you have sustained your servants, Roman and Jean Johnson, throughout the 31 years of their married life. We ask that you continue to fill our hearts with the unselfish love that reflects your sacrificial love for them, so that their love for each other may never grow weary. With every joy and sorrow that they share, bring them closer to each other and to you, their God and Lord. Encourage all husbands and wives as they seek to fulfill their marriage promises and bless all our homes with your abiding peace. Lord, we also pray this morning for Carolyn Oscarson and her family after the recent death of her father. We ask that you comfort them with the promises that are found in your word and especially with the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you be with them at this time of sorrow and we ask that they may find joy in your word as they continue to be blessed by it every single day. Lord, we now come to you on our own with our own private petitions.
Lord, for these and all the other things you know we need, we confidently ask in the name of him who gave himself for us, that we might live through him, Jesus our Lord, who also taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with them, to shepherd his flock till he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts in heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
invite all community members of Shepherd of the Lakes or one of our sister congregations in the Wisconsin Synod or ELS to come forward and receive the Lord's Supper.
that is true body and blood of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, strengthening you and preserving you in the one true faith until life everlasting. Be of good cheer and know that your sins are forgiven you and that you may depart in peace. Amen. Please stand as you continue to thank God for this wonderful supper of the Song City.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. O oh God, the Father, source of all goodness, in your loving kindness you sent your Son to share our humanity. We thank you that through him you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We also pray that you will not forsake us, but will rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, so that we willingly serve you day after day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Please be seated for verses 1 and 3 of the closing hymn. 